Christ, are you happy to be in the service? Amen. Amen. Well, I'm told Sister Nombuso would want to be baptized, but she thought as well uh, the child must be dedicated. Amen. So as you take your seats, then you can just say, bring them in, bring them in. Amen. As she comes to the fore. Mark 10, verse 13. 
uh, often wonder the, that uh, the people that uh, were in the message and now reject Brother Brenham after they are left, how do they handle such matters of baby dedication? Do they go back and baptize children or what? Amen. Uh, because there are many things that the prophet put into place. We don't baptize the children, we bless them. Uh, and actually, even those that are tempted to baptize children are not baptizing children. Uh, it's just the priest baptizing his own finger because the finger is the one that will just be fully immersed. Amen. Now, as we read it, it says, And they brought young children to him that he should touch them. And his disciples rebuked those that brought them. But when Jesus saw it, he was much displeased and said unto them, Suffer the little children to come unto me and forbid them not, for of such is the kingdom of God. Verily I say unto you, Whosoever shall not receive the kingdom of God as a little child, he shall not enter therein. And he took them up in his arms and put his hands upon them and blessed them. Amen. So if they have not reached an age of accountability, we don't baptize them. We just bless them and commit them to the Lord. But once they come to the age of accountability, then they make their own decisions. Amen. Do we agree with the scripture? Amen. Scriptures cannot be broken. Amen. What's his name? Oh, my. I should get him. One more. Oh, okay. Let's pray. Is that boy, ne? Okay. Handsome boy. Let's pray. Gracious Heavenly Father, here is a young man, a child that you gave, dear God, to this family as a gift to them. And like Hannah of the old, our sister thought it very responsible that as much as she made a decision to be baptized, the child as well should be brought to the house of the Lord. And as a minister of the gospel, I must commit the life of this boy to you, dear God. We need you in our children, especially in this dangerous time where we find ourselves. We can see what is happening in schools. Teachers are at their wit ends. You look at the parents, they are at their wit ends. The government is at its wit ends. But you have never been at your wit ends. That is why I've got full confidence that as I lay my hands and bless this boy, as he grows up, whatever lies ahead of the journey of life, I know, dear God, you will be gracious, dear God, and make him to be an overcomer. I'm blessing him that until such time, when he reaches the age of accountability, I know he will make the right decision, dear God. As I lay my hands upon him 
believing in the most gracious name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. God bless you richly. Amen. God bless you, sister. As we stand to our feet, let's just sing and worship any worshiping song. Maybe be still and know that I'm God before we go to the reading of the Word. Judges, the chapter shall be chapter 7, and the verse will be verse 1. Amen. Judges, the chapter will be chapter 7, the verse will be verse 1. We will read it until verse 7. And how many have read the Bible in between Wednesday and today? Amen. How many have read their Bibles between Wednesday and today? Amen. Uh, we must read our. Is Brother Brom saying reading a Bible, not reading the Bible every day is a sin? Amen. Amen. Make sure that you've got a scripture that you 
sleep on and a scripture that you wake up on. Amen. Then Jerubal, who is Gideon, Looks like this side reads more. We'll give this side as well to join us. Then Jerubal, who is Gideon, and all the people that were with him, rose up early. You need to have a head start. And pitched beside the well of Harod, so that the host of the Midianites were on the north side of them. By the hill of Mori, in the valley. And the Lord said unto Gideon, the people that are with thee are too many for there are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hands. Lest Israel vaunt themselves against me, saying, Mine own hand hath saved me. And therefore go to proclaim in the ears of the people, saying, Whosoever is fearful and afraid, let him return and depart early from Mount Gilead. And there returned of the people twenty and two thousand. And there remained 10,000. And there remained 22,000 went back home. Now therefore go, O brothers, the Lord said unto Gideon, The people are yet too many. Bring them down unto the water. I will try them for thee there. And it shall be that of whom I say unto thee, this shall go with thee, the same go with thee. And whomsoever I say unto thee, this shall not go with thee, the same shall not go. So he brought down he brought down the people unto the water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, Everyone that lappeth of the water with his tongue, as a dog lappeth. Him shall thou set by himself. 
Likewise, everyone that boweth down upon his knees to drink. And the number of them that lapped, putting their hand to their mouth, were 300 men. But all the rest of the people bowed down upon their knees to drink water. And the Lord said unto Gideon, by the 300 men that left will I save you. And deliver the Midianites unto thine hand. And let all the other people go every man unto his place. As we bow, his gracious heavenly Father, we want to thank you for a beautiful morning, beautiful worshiping service, and dear God, we have just read the word, and we depend solemnly upon thee for a divine inspiration, dear God. The letter, the letter killeth, but the spirit giveth life. Hence, we invite your spirit, dear God, to come and bring the illumination of the scriptures that when we come to the end of the service, all the glory should go to you. You deserve it, dear God. We bind every spirit in the building in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Amen. While you take your seats. Amen. Now, this morning, I... I want to speak on against all odds. Amen. Against all odds. That's what I want to speak on this morning. <clears throat> now, now, Maybe just to give you a, ra- a ratio, <clears throat> it was 32,000 against 135,000. 32,000 against 135,000 that had to go into a battle. Then God said it to the 22,000, you are too many. You are too many. Then God said to Gideon, we need to downsize because the people are too many. I would imagine if you were to go into a battle as a war general leading 32,000 against 135,000, I think you would want to say, we need to, we need to match every man for every man. If it's 135,000, you would request 135,000. It is so. So that there is equation and balance in what you want to do. But God said, that's not how it's going to work out. 32,000, these two people, these people are too many. Now, the first thing, 
he said to them, uh, speak to them that those that are afraid, those that are faint-hearted, those that are jittery, those that are nervous, let them go home. And going home or abandoning the battle at that point in time had no consequences. You would not suffer consequences. You just go home and say, let me go home. I can, I can imagine after he made that call how every man consulted with himself and said, my children are still too small. I just recently got married. I have got this plan and that plan. And numbers were there in their face, 135,000 versus 32,000. I don't know how many of you would have remained. Amen. But 22,000 said, listen, until this far, no further than this, then they went back home. Now, a lot of times, people think addition means a success. But with God, sometimes subtraction, it is a success. Uh, hallelujah. Uh, and uh, you will see the principle how God works. Before God comes into your life to help you attain victory, he brings you into a downsizing phase. Uh, and don't blame people. Don't say, my family is turning their backs on me, my friends. Sometimes it's not them. Sometimes it's God. Be, least you praise your friend, least you praise your family. God does not want to share the glory. Hallelujah. Now, 22,000 left. Now it was down to 10,000. Now, the 10,000 as well, they thought, goodness, we've been brave, we are sticking around, we are not going anywhere, we're going to fight the battle. God came and still said, these two people, these people are too many. Now, I'm going to make a test. Take them down to the river. And those that will drink, uh, that will lap, lap water, as the dog lapeth water, those you shall send back home. I don't know whether you know how a dog lapeth water. It's when it comes to the river, looking down in the river. Are we together? The God said, those that come to the river and looking into the river, send them back home. And I wondered why would God set to such a task and he said, those that come to the river and they kneel down, but they take with one hand, they get a hold of water and they drink those you shall keep. I don't know, I'm, maybe my imagination is running wild, but I would imagine he that just comes and kneels down, they lack vigilancy. Because the enemy would destroy them well. They are busy there eating. Are you all drinking? Are we together? Maybe while I slot it in here, we are looking for vigilant people. 
that as much as God brings you blessings your way, but with one eye, you will keep your eye on the enemy. Uh, are you here, people? Uh, God, uh, yes, it's good. God has done this and done that. But don't get just be preoccupied with that. Keep on looking around. Look over your children. Look over your family. Look at every environment. We need a certain degree of vigilance. Are you still with me? There are some people that get too blessed until they forget that we are still in a battle. Are you still with me? But it says those that come and take with the water, with the hand, and they drink water, I guess those way must have been looking this way and that way, and God says these ones are vigilant. Are you still with me? And those that failed the test, 9,700 failed the test. Only 300 passed the test. And God said to Gideon, the 9,700, send them back home to go and join up with the 22,000. Remain with, 22, with 300. Are you still with me? Now, let me put it this way. God will downsize at some point in time. And I've seen in the message there's been a lot of downsizing where people say, I've been in the message for 50 years. Me and my family are done, and my friends. Let me tell you something. If people leave God's program, it does not mean God's program will fail. I'll repeat that. God's program does not depend on numbers. It depends on his weight. Actually, Brother Bram says, if God can get hold of one man, he will do so much through that man. Are you still with me? And he says, God does not count his people. He weighs his people. Are you still with me? Now, maybe just to, you may think that will this happen? A while back, I read of a, an extract in one of the newspapers where robbers had gone to rob a place and when they got there, they could not succeed. For whatever reason, I think the robbery was intercepted. Then they could not carry uh, the robbery out. And now, I mean, they've got guns. They were prepared. Now they cannot do anything. So on their way, they just thought, let's, let's just have a hilarious moment uh, it was on, 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 a, on a Sunday. Uh, then they, say, they looked and they saw that uh, there was a church with many cars parked in the yard. And they said, let us, let us go into the church. Then the robbers came into the church with guns. It's a true story. Then when they got in, they said uh, it was around about 2,000 member church. Then they got in and said, uh, those that would want to renounce their faith, they are most welcome to leave. Nothing is going to happen to them. But those that believe that the Lord Jesus Christ, and they still want to affirm their faith, those they must remain because we are going to sort them out. I'm told... 1,960 left. 
fortunately, the pastor didn't leave. <laughs> now, that means 40 remained. 1,960 left. Now, after 1,960 left, then the robbers had a good laugh. They said to the pastor, hypocrites have left. Let the church begin. Are you here? Yeah. And I wonder if you were there, would you have remained? But that's the matter between you and your conscience. I'm simply saying, don't judge things by the number. Judge things by the quality. Are you still with me? I hope we are together here. Now, I'm speaking about uh, against odds. There has never been any person that has ever achieved anything worthwhile without riding against the tide. There has never been any person that has had a worthwhile achievement without somewhat facing an odds of some sort. Because if they were not odds against a worthy achievement, anyone could be an achiever. Uh, do you get where I'm going? Yeah. But uh, when we say the oath, and I will get to where the prophet of God speaks here as we move right along. Doors in a door, paragraph 86. The prophet, uh, you remember, Brother Branham thought highly of Abraham Lincoln. He's a president that came and abolished slavery in America is a president whose presidency was based on biblical principles. He was a president that was not ashamed to take a stance against injustice. He's a man that failed many a times. And Brother Branham often would quote him and said, I, I, when he calls Abraham Lincoln, he said, I am who I am because of the Bible and my mother. But let me read here so that you follow. He says, some time ago, I read a story of the days of our noble, one of the greatest presidents I think the nation ever had was Lincoln. Not because that he came from Kentucky, but because he was a great man. And I think Brother George Martin once preached a very wonderful sermon uh, on a title, The Parallel Between Brother Brenham and Abraham Lincoln, both being from Kentucky and so forth. Are we together? Uh, this one abolished the natural slavery, the other one abolished the spiritual slavery. Are you still with me? Brother, Brother Brenham says, because he, not because he came from Kentucky, but because he was a great man. He was deprived of an education, but yet uh, was something in his heart, some purpose. Brother Brown says, I like a man of vision. I like people that's got something they are fighting for. Just not lay around. Wherever, whatever comes along, we will be right. Brahman says he doesn't like people that just sit around and say, whatever comes around, I'm fine with it. He says, oh, be up and edit. That's what he said. Be up and edit. 
And Lincoln never let his lack of education stand in the way. He had something to do. I think every Christian ought to be that way. Find your purpose and go do it. Are you with me? Find your purpose and go and do it. He says, every member of this chapter, just not well, we have a breakfast once a month. That isn't it. Or once every Saturday. Have a purpose in life. Something you're going to do. God has placed you here to do something about it. Every member or every member of every church. That means God has placed you here for a purpose. Are you still with me? Then Brother Abraham says, I like a man with a vision. I like a man that has got a purpose. And he pointed at Lincoln and he says his lack of education never stood in his way. Are you with me? Now, as I continue... In the message, Perfect Strength by Perfect Weakness, paragraph 44, he says, Now there, there's so many of us who likes to testify or likes to think that we are insufficient, not good enough. And therefore, we make that an excuse. I'm quoting Brother Branham verbatim here. I have no education. I have no ability. I'm unable to do this. If you keep that up and do that in that way and keep going like that, then you can't amount to anything. Are you still with me? And I guess if somebody would say, me, I don't have education, I don't have an ability, I'm unable. I think some people, when they hear this, they say, what a humble brother, what a humble sister. That is not it. Are you, are you with me? Playing small does not, there is a difference between playing small and being humble. And a lot of people play small and they think that they are humble. Let me remind you of the immemorial words of our St. Paul. He says, through Christ, I can do all. Hallelujah. Through Christ, I can do all. Just imagine if you were born, if your mother had taught you that from the beginning. As soon as you were born and then they smacked you and you cried like a baby. From that time, every morning, your mother said, My son, through Christ, you can do all. It would have changed a lot of your lives. Are you still with me? Uh, How many in the building have ever been crippled by statements that were said by family members? Are you here? How many of you, people that were close to you, thought you would never go anywhere? How many people said a man of your background or a woman of your background would never go anywhere? How many people say a person of your condition or situation would never go anywhere? 
But I've got a message for that. Through Christ. Through Christ. Are you still here, church? I hope I'm not speaking to a handicapped church here. Through Christ. I can do all. Are you still with me? Now, he says, but the very thing that you make an excuse by our weakness, the very thing that we make excuses by our weakness, God uses the very thing to tackle the job with. Hallelujah. I never knew that my weakness is an asset to God's economy. But the prophet messenger said the very thing that I'm using as an excuse is the very thing that God will use for his glory. He waits for us to get to that condition so that he can use us. We take the excuses, I can't do this, I'm insufficient. And God takes that very thing to do the job with. That's true. Are we together? Let us... Let me, let me just show you some of the a job description here. A man is needed to lead two million people out of slavery. We are looking for a man that can lead two million people out of slavery. We are looking for a man that can negotiate deliverance with the empire of the time. The royalty of the time. We are looking for a man that can inspire and break the yoke of bondage that had been around for 400 years. Surely, if you are sensible enough, Moses would have not been the first option. The first thing, he lacks the decorum to engage with the palace. His manner of speech is impaired. He's stuttering. This is the last man that you would have considered to be a deliverer. Furthermore, this very man, when he got a wind that God is about to do something, he took matters into his own hands and killed a man and ran off and became a vagabond became a nobody and went and stayed with the Midianites. Are we together? Would you have chosen such a man to go and say, go and break that yoke of bondage? Moses was the last person that you would have considered. But the very person that we would have never considered, God said, that's the man that I'm looking for. The very man that is a man of weakness, God said, through his weaknesses, I will perfect my strength. Are you still here, people? Are you still here? And this man comes to Pharaoh and say, I can imagine when he got there. Hallelujah. And Pharaoh was looking there and wondering, what is this man going to do? But behind that stuttering, behind that weakness, Against all odds, there was a God that was on the side of Moses. I'm here to demonstrate to you, God does not need your resources. God does not need your abilities. 
there is only one thing that God needs from you. Have faith. Have faith in him. And when you have faith, you will go against the odds. Are you still with me? But uh, Brother Brim says, when he speaks about Lincoln, he says, this is a man that had a vision and had a purpose. And I want to speak on a purpose or extract something from the prophet where he speaks about a purpose. He says in the message, I know my Redeemer liveth, paragraph 2-0. He says, we come on such a morning to gather hopes and some new hopes of what we are here for. What is the purpose? I think that this is a wonderful time to think on the hopes that God has given to us. Now he says, now we want to draw this first into your mind. That there is not one thing that can destroy us until the purpose of he who created us has been fulfilled. I want this to be at the top of your mind. There is not one thing that can destroy us until the purpose of who, of he who created us has been fulfilled. Are you still with me? You are not going to be destroyed by car accident. You are not going to be destroyed by witchcraft. You are not going to be destroyed by crime. Are you here, people? You are going to leave this earth because God's purpose in your life has been fulfilled. Are you still with me? Are we together? As long as God's purpose is not being fulfilled, I don't care how many times the car rolls, you're going to come out without a scratch. I don't care how many times you lay in the hospital in ICU, but as long as God's purpose has not been fulfilled, you are coming out of that ICU. Are you here? We are not dying because we are careless. We are dying because God's purpose in our life has been fulfilled. No one will kill you. I say no one will kill you. They can have a gun against your head and shoot. As long as God's purpose in your life has not been fulfilled, you will never die. Ah, This gives me a consolation. This gives me a comfort. This makes fear in my life to evaporate. To know that uh, no matter the devices of the enemy, nothing shall happen in my life until God's purpose in my life has been fulfilled. And if it has not been fulfilled, I'm going to wake up tomorrow. If it has not been fulfilled, I'm going to wake up next week. If it has not been fulfilled, I'm going to wake up next year. That means my life is not in the hands of Satan. My life is in the hands of God. If God says I go forward, I go forward. I don't care what odds are against us. We're going to rise to the occasion. Are you here, church? We may not have resources. We may not have capability. But we're going to go forward. Amen. And I'm glad that sometime God, when he wants to propel you to greater heights, he wants everything that you depend on to fail you. I'll repeat the statement. When God wants to take you to a greater height, 
He allow everything in your environment to fail you. Hallelujah. You thought your boss is a good boss. He allows the very boss to fail you. Hallelujah. Sometimes he can even allow your partner to fail you. I know what I'm talking about. Job happened to to him. Are we together? When God wants to take you high, he doesn't want you to apportion glory to any man. Are you still with me? He strip you. He can even make that bank manager that you love and say, that one I just phoned for an overdraft, they will sort it out. He allows them to say, no, 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 no. He allows the specialist to shake his hand and say, we did the best that we can do. He allows the odds to be there. But I'm glad that when you begin to see the odds against you, there is somebody that wants to take the glory. And his name is Jehovah. Because he loves the showdown. Our God does not want easy things. Because easy things, anyone can do that. He wants you to get into the realm where things seem to be impossible. Where your mind is hazy. Where you've got doubts and you are not sure about everything. Right there, he comes along. Hallelujah. Our God allows the last moment when everything has gone haywire. And people say, what's your plan? Say, I don't have a plan. Right there when the odds are against you, Jehovah, he begins to smile and say, now I'm going to get the glory. When it becomes tougher, just know that there is a testimony that is about to emerge from that situation. Do I talk to people that know what I'm talking? Am I preaching to somebody this morning that has experienced what I'm talking about? Are you here, people? Now it says, there could be nothing. We are made for a purpose. Folks, we are made for a purpose. You may look useless to certain people, but you are made for a purpose. I'll repeat that. You may look useless to your family, but you are made for a purpose. Oh, hallelujah. Everything is made for a purpose. It says, the church was built here for a purpose. What is the purpose of this church? There's got to be a vision. And the vision has got to be supported by a purpose. And a purpose has got to be supported by a principle. Vision, purpose, principle. The vision, it is the what? Hallelujah. What do you want to do? The purpose is why do you want to do it? The principle is how are you going to do it? We live in a world where people want to do things. They don't care how. And they don't even care. Hallelujah. For what reasons? This morning, you've got needs. You, you've got needs. If God makes, makes all your needs to be attained, is it for what purpose? And once it has been granted, what principle are you going to abide with? Are you here? Uh, do you get where I'm going? Uh, maybe I can say, this church, why, why do we have Lighthouse Tabernacle? Is it for us to come, don't worry brothers, is it for us just to come every Sunday and speak good English and 
and, and mesmerize each other with weights and go hope. If that is the case, what a bunch of nonsense. If it is just for us to gather and see who wears a nice suit, what a bunch of nonsense. Are you here? There's got to be a noble vision. And I would like to believe that the vision of this church is to say, we want to articulate the truth in the end time to the end time people and tell them there is a hope. For what purpose? We want them to overcome the evil spirits that dominate in the end time. By what principle are we going to do that? By preaching an unadulterated word of the living God and be uncompromising in what we do. I've just given you a vision. I've given you a purpose. And I've given you a principle. Are you here? And take the very thing and apply it in your life. What is the vision? For what purpose? By what principle? Sometimes we want great things, good things, but for wrong purpose. And for wrong, sometimes we don't abide by the right principle. Let's give an example. Can I give you an example? Here's a brother. Says, Lord, I don't have a car. I need a car. It's good. A man has got to have a car. It's a, it's a very noble request. Brother, why do, we need, do you need a car? For what purpose? Look, it's chaotic with my, wife, my family. I want to be in church. Have you ever seen when people who want something from God, hey, they speak very good things? I, I don't want to miss Wednesday service. It's difficult to go to church on Texas. I want it to be easier for my family so that we go. Isn't it a good purpose? For what principle? I want my family to abide by the values of the message. Are you here? Then God says, this is my son. He needs the right thing for the right purpose. Hallelujah. Then God turns around and he gives it to you. Over time, people forget the purpose. Over time, people forget the principle. And I'm here to pinch your conscience. Everything that you got from God and you promised something for him, have you done that? Is it still for the same purpose? Is it still for the same principle? I'll leave it at that. Now it says in the message, paragraph 2-1, the very same message, he says, this church was built here for a purpose. This foundation was dark, the cornerstone laid, and the blocks laid into the building and the roof and the interior was not put here just to see if it could be done. It was put here by a purpose or for a purpose. Amen. Some people don't understand purpose. I see women shaving off their eyelashes and drawing them back. How? That's just foolishness. And you're not even an artist. They are skewed. Certain things have got to be left to artists. The, uh, the left one is more longer than the le- right one. Uh, are you here? Yes. Because they don't understand the purpose. Because when you sweat, you need the eyelashes to protect your eye. But paint will not protect you. 
I'm just showing you that everything, there is a purpose. Your home that you live in was not just accidentally put there or somebody just wasting their time. Your home was made for a purpose, to serve a purpose. You did not drive this morning here in your automobile and that, that automobile was not made just to see if it could be made. The materials was not wasted by men. It was put here for a purpose and to serve a purpose. The clothes that you wear was not just to see if somebody could fashion something. It was for a purpose. Clothes are for a purpose. And if, if I tell you that you're going to meet Cyril Ramaphosa, the president, and we make an appointment, and the day comes, and I usher you into a room, or maybe a boardroom, and I say, there is a Cyril, and he's wearing a shirt and a vest. Are you going to be pleased? You'll be offended. Because you expect, why? A president to dress in a certain way. Why? The clothes that he wears must show a purpose. Are you here? Similarly, if, I mean, I've seen with the recent wedding, royal uh, wedding in the UK where one of the princes was getting married, they had to send out invite. And on the invite, they had specifically mentioned what a dress code should be. Not your celebrities from the operas of this world, from all your feminists, everybody. On that day, they were dressed in dresses. It was very easy. Take it or leave it. Either you come dressed the way you want, they, they, they want you to dress, or you don't come at all. All, do you hear? All of them, they were dressed appropriately. Why? Because it was a royal wedding. And they wanted the audience to look royal. And I'm saying, if such a monarch that is imperfect can be like that, how much more about this supernatural monarch? Uh, Are we together? There's got to be a standard, folks, how we do things. Because royalty has got a standard. Can I get an amen from sisters? Amen. Amen. And sometimes I like how another young man I was fellowshipping with, he said, Pastor, you can never go to KFC and tell them that you need Nando's. They will never even say, we want to consider your offer. They will direct you down the road and say, here we don't sell Nando's, but if you need Nando's, down the road. Here it's a fried chicken. But message churches these days, 
They want to be changed by a person that orders something. Amen. 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 Do you see the great falling away that is taking place? There's a great falling away that is taking place. Amen. Amen. Now, the, the food that you eat was not grown on the earth just to see it can grow. It was made to serve a purpose. God did not just make a tree to be a tree. He made a tree for a purpose. God did not make you and I to see if he could do it. He made us for a purpose. There is a purpose of us all being here. You are not here just to be another human being. You are not here just to be another human being. You are here because that God made you for some purpose. You are not here just to eat the food that God grew. You are not here just to live in the house that men made or to wear the clothing that someone fashioned. You are here for a specific purpose. No matter how little you are, how big you are, how important you are, how unimportant you are, you are here to serve a purpose. Are we together? And... If we were put here for a purpose, then there is nothing that can destroy us until God's purpose in our life is fulfilled. Nothing can harm us until that purpose that God has put us here for has been made manifest. Are we together? So that means, that means, we are looking for people with an undying attitude. They never die attitude. That we are into this for a long haul. Let's put it this way. When God said, among, within the, among the 32,000 troops, some have got to go. Imagine if they had gone into the battle with that bigger number. And when they were there and the battle was raging, and 22,000 men ran away. It was going to demoralize people in the camp. Are you here, people? So, God knew that in order to strengthen the base, I'd rather go into the battle with few men, but that are committed to the cause. Men that say, we are coming out of here with one option only, to attain victory against all odds. Are you here, people? We are not depending on number. But we are depending on our determination that we will never suffer any defeat in this battle. Are we together? Amen. And Brother Bram says in this message, as I was with Moses, paragraph 35, he says, I like that. Maybe if we can just exchange the batteries, brother. We've got a battery problem here. Uh, amen. Now he says, paragraph 35. As I was with Moses, so I will be with thee. He says, I like that. For any good soldier is apt to get wounded or hurt. Meaning, it is expected that in a battle, there's going to be casualties. Are you together? That is why when a soldier looks at another wounded soldier, he doesn't immediately come around and make a mockery out of that soldier. Isn't so? 
brothers. Amen. Are you still with me? Now, he says, in this message, I like that. For any good soldier is apt to get wounded or hurt. But if he is still a soldier and has got a purpose and something to fight for, he will rise and try again. Are you with me? Any soldier that has got a purpose and something to fight for, he will rise and try again. Any soldier of the cross has got to do that. Are you still with me, people? Now I'm saying I'm speaking about against all odds. I remember Brother Chetty was praying here and he was speaking about blind Bartimus. How everything went haywire in his environment. And Brother Brenham says, there was an old blind beggar. And he says, set him by the gates of Jericho. All hopes gone. He was blind. Odds were against him. His age was against him. The public was against him. Everything seems to be against him. But right while he sat in the darkest of the hour, then Jesus came along. And he turned his darkness into light. All things seem to be all right when Jesus comes along. Are you still with me? When, when everything is against you, and you look and you say, I don't even see the light at the end of the tunnel. Brother Bram says, at the darkest hour, then Jesus comes along to turn your darkness into light. Are we together? When you are faced with odds, when you are faced with odds, what is needed in such an environment, you need to be determined. When you are faced against art, you need somebody that will not be discouraged by what you are looking at. Are you still with me? And God has got a way that when you are against the odds, I don't know whether there are people in the building that have ever been against the odds. You are trying to build something while you are at it. And maybe you, you've got a team and you think, now I've got a team. Right there, they come and say, we cannot go further with you. Yeah. I learned something from one senior pastor. The other time I asked him, I said, what have you learned in the ministry? He told me, he said, listen, at the beginning of the ministry, he says, right at the beginning in our church, he says, we had a, a wealthy couple. These wealthy couple were very giving. They covered all the expenses in the church. If everything that needed to be paid, they paid for it. Then he says, one day they came to me and told me that they are leaving church. And he says, I was shattered. But he says, I only learned later that there was, the problem was not them. He says, I learned that God was jealousy, thinking that I'm depending on them rather than depending on God. I hope this will sink in. So when people leave you, stop blaming people and hating people. Some are removed by God so that you can depend on God. Don't be a hater if people leave you. 
love them the same way. They are coming for a purpose and they are living for a purpose. But when people leave, we want to have a pity party. Christ, everybody is leaving me. What's happening? No, it's not about who's coming and who's leaving. It depends if God is still there. And if God is still there, that's enough. Are you here, church? Amen. How many people have ever been left by people? Right when you needed them most. That's when you say, hallelujah. You want to lean against them right there. They say, no, 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 no. The weight is too much. We are out. We are checking out. Look this way. Look that way. God doesn't love me. Everybody is leaving me. Hey, believer, God does not get testimony from cheap environments. He creates hostile environments so that his name can be glorified. And right there, maybe you need to begin to appreciate and say, God, I thank you for the people that left me. Because I never knew that you would be able to make me go forward without them. Are you here, people? In your life, no one is indispensable. But God is indispensable. I'll repeat that. No one is indispensable. Even in marriage, brother, if the sister, sister, if the sister thinks that you can never go forward, the brother says, it's only me. He doesn't know you can go forward. I said that and understand what I'm talking about. As long as God is on your side, it is enough. You can go forward. Are you going to die because your partner left you? No. Are you going to stop breathing? Forward you go. That's why, brethren, even those that may leave, your partners may leave you for the message, don't be shaken. I repeat that. Don't be shaken. If they leave, remain with God. And at the right time, God will bring a realization on them to come back into the message. You get what I mean? I want every person to say, every odds that are against me, I don't care what they are, I'm going to be victorious. Hallelujah. Why? I'm connected to God's purpose. And God's purpose in my life can never be defeated. God's purpose in the life of Moses is never made Pharaoh to overcome. Hallelujah. God's purpose in Gideon made Gideon never to be defeated. Oh, they took John, the revelator. They threw him into the oil. They thought they were destroying God's purpose. The oil did him no harm because God's purpose in the life of a believer shall never be defeated. And they turn around and say, he is a witch. And I'm saying, they're going to say you are a witch. Why? They will expect you to be disintegrated, but you will never disintegrate. Why? God's purpose in your life shall never be defeated. Hallelujah. Are you here, church? You will never be defeated if you are connected to God's purpose. How many here, the devil thought by now we should have died? How many here, at some point in time, you as well thought, by this time, I should be done? But here you are, you are still standing. Hallelujah. You are still standing. There is nothing that will ever destroy you. This gives me joy, brother. This makes me feel good. No matter what negative wishes, you are still standing. 
no matter what people said over your life, you are still standing. No matter what diseases you suffer from, you are still standing. Even some people, when they look and say, are you still alive? Tell them I'm still alive. Why? Because God's purpose in my life is yet to be fulfilled. Some of you think you're going to be killed by South African crime. Nonsense. I don't care whether there is a gangster from corner to corner. But there is one thing that can break into your house as long as God's purpose in your life has not been fulfilled. No criminal is going to take your life. I understand what I'm talking about. The church of the living God is fortified by purpose. It is protected by purpose. Hallelujah. So stop tiptoeing around life. And when they say, I need to be careful. No. Live your life fully. I say, live your life fully. And appreciate every moment and say, God, I thank you for today. I thank you for tomorrow. Why? God's purpose in my life shall never be defeated. Abortion is not allowed in Christian cycles. But there's only one abortion that is allowed. The abortion of lies. To abort the lies of Satan. And I'm here this morning to abort certain lies. The Satan will never go far because you don't have education. But here you are. The Satan will never go live because your family was broken. But here you are. And when you meet that old serpent, tell him one way, you are a liar. Are you here, people? He is a liar. How many were told lies by Satan? How many were told lies by Satan? Even now, some of you is telling you, you're going to die. You are not going to die. He said, you're going to backslide. You are not going to backslide. He says, you are not good enough. You are good enough. I bought every lie of Satan this morning in the name of Jesus Christ. Are you here, Christ? Are you here? Don't believe one thing from that Satan. Oh, we're going to be divorced. You are still married. Oh, I need to be. You need not to be careful. Commit everything to God. Hallelujah. You know, Brother Bram speaks about a man. I don't know. Maybe Sister Winnie would know. I don't know whether in Australia, Sister Winnie, have you been to the uh, Sydney Harbour Bridge? Okay. Then you have not been to Australia. <laughs> Amen. Brother Bram speaks about that bridge in time-tested memorials. There is a man called, he doesn't mention the name, but I went to look for the name. The name of the engineer that he speaks about is John, is John Bradford. Bram says the city, because uh, there is a oh, Sydney CBD, and people were using, I mean, between Sydney, CBD, and the other side, there is a huge river. So people used to use both, and now they wanted to connect the north and the south connected. Now, then the mayor of the time said, no, we need to build a bridge. Then he issued out a tender. And men, we are told, Brother even mentioned, 
People came from the states, engineers. They came and tested there, and they found that right at the bottom of the sea, there was a shifting sand. And they realized that the bridge cannot be there. Now, while they were wondering, an engineer came from England. And when he came, he went and made the test and came and said to the mayor, I will take the job. Hallelujah. And Brother Man said, I like, I like a man with a reputation. You don't have to be a big man. You can be a pauper that lives in the early and have a reputation far better than a pointed monarch. Absolutely, you don't have to be rich. You can just have a reputation. Your reputation and what you are makes you what you are. It gives you your reputation. You are known by reputation. Are you still with me? He says, this man had a vision. Before a man can make a reputation, he has to have a vision of what he's doing. And many of the people wrote letters to him uh, uh, to see his courage. That's what men look for, is men of courage, not wishy-washy somebody. Now, this man came and said, I will take the job. We are told, just to give you what the men went through, and I'll give you some of the stats. Brother Bram says he came, and he knew that for me to build a firm bridge, I must go all the way down. And the sifting sand that they spoke about, he knew that I had to blow it. And go all the way. He knew that at the breast of the earth, there must be a solid rock. Brother, in this sifting sand, beneath it, there is a rock of ages. And that's Christ Jesus. Then he went all the way down until he found a rocky place. And said, this is where I will put the foundation. And he put the foundation there. He built the bridge. He says while he was building, even insurance companies were refusing to insure him and said this is the biggest risk that any man has ever taken. It cannot be mitigated against. But the man, Brother Bruno said, that engineer said, I don't even need your insurance because I know what I'm talking about. A man of vision, a man of purpose, a man of reputation, a man of courage. And it says, then he built that bridge. Just to give you a background, there were six million hand-driven rivets into that bridge. It is the world's largest steel of arc bridge. It was 1,149 meters long. Are you still with me? The steel that was used there, it weighs 52,800 tons. It took 1,400 men to build that bridge for eight years. During the building of the bridge, 16 men lost their lives. Folks, there's never been any... Are you here? You can never run a a successful business without firing somebody. Ah, even if you are a Christian, they don't look me in a funny way. Amen. Oh, yeah, there are times where you say, no, 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 I will not tolerate this. We will meet at church. Amen. Oh, me, I hate mediocrity. 
Amen. Are we together? Yes. Anyway, you that want to start business, you must know you're going to fire somebody. Amen. I'm, I'm scared to go around the room and say, ask business people, have you fired somebody? But it comes with the territory. Yes. If 16 men were there, died, imagine if they say, we have lost 16 men, we stopped the breach. We are losing people in the message. They think that we're going to stop believing the message. No. We are, we are going forward. I don't care whether some, because today when people backslide, the first thing they run to is social media to break. We are not going anywhere. Amen. The bridge is 134 meters above sea level. In 1932, it cost 4.2 million U.S. dollars to construct that bridge. Then the man built that bridge. You can imagine during the building process, how many, not nobodies, experienced engineers must have come to Mr. John Bradfield and say, sir, this bridge won't hold. I mean, if it is nobody with non-engineering background who can dismiss them and say, you, you, don't even, you haven't even passed mathematics. But this was... You are going to be discouraged by people that know. People that tell you, we have been around for many years. It does not work. Until at the middle of the night, your eyes are popping out and say, hey, it looks like it will not work. With God, everything can work. Now, this man built the bridge. Eight years. 1,400 men every day at the job. And after he completed the the job, the bridge was to be opened in 1932. When the bridge was to be invited, it opened. He invited everybody. I saw the pictures. Invited everybody. And said, come and see the bridge. Invited the mayor. That bridge, it has a pedestrian walk. It has a railway line. It has workers cross. Can you imagine a lot of things? Even train crossing over. On the day of opening the bridge, he invited everybody. Then the locomotive company, the training company, the train company said, we have got confidence in your bridge. He said, I don't want you to tell me that you've got confidence. I want you to bring 96 locomotives to come and test the load capacity of the bridge. The mayor said, I believe in your bridge. He says, bring your car. But he says, on the day of when the bridge was to be opened, he said, I'm the very first one to cross over. Why? Brother Bremen knew, he says, he knew that bridge was built upon a firm foundation. And Brother Bremen said, there was a designer from glory. When the world was polluted by sin, that designer from glory said, no, there is a firm rock. It's a rock of all ages. And upon that rock I will build my church and the gates of hell shall never prevail against it. 
And he says, I'm not going to send anybody. I'm the one that will go on Calvary. I will hang between the heavens and the earth to show you that this salvation is based upon a firm foundation. And the day came. Locomotives cross over. Cars cross over. Everybody was crossing over. Since 1932 until this one is one of the most wonders in Australia. It would have never been there unless one man had courage. It would have never been there unless one man had vision. It would have never been there until one man had a purpose. It would have never been there until one man risked his reputation. I'm saying you will never do anything worthwhile until you go against the tide. If you are the kind of person that is a man pleaser, you are not going to go anywhere. Are you still with me? The odds were against him, but he rose to the occasion. I don't know as you are sitting there what odds are against you. I don't know what messages are running through your mind. I don't know what messages are embedded in your system. But I'm saying with God, you can rise against the odds. Uh, yes, yes. You can, and, and God looks, he wants the very environment where people say, this thing will not be viable. And it's the very environment where God says, this is where I need you to start. Amen. I want you to do something that will be paradoxical. Because God is God of paradoxes. Do I have young people in the building? I, I'm scared. I, and I'm going to say it for what it is. Folks, if the petrol price goes higher, Amen. what do we do? What do you do? Yeah? Okay, you can do that, but you still need to fill up again. Do you stop saying, I cannot go to church twice a week because the petrol price is high? Believers, whenever the cost of living rises, they want to adjust, lower their standard of living. Standard, I'm not referring to rise and what I'm referring to the spiritual weight. Are you with me? Yeah. Another brother came and said, Hey, Pastor, the economy is very bad. What do I do with tithes? <laughs> so, okay. Very interesting economical question. Uh, what do you do, brother? I'll say two things. If the, if the cost of living goes high, the cost of living goes high. Are you with me? Yes. And you think that, oh, it will affect my ability to give to the Lord. Here's a question. I would have appreciated if the brother could have come into the office and said, Pastor, the cost of living is going up. But it being going up, can't we pray together because... I'm not happy with this salary. 
I want God to double my salary so that I can double my giving. Why are we always asking in reverse rather than asking progressively? Why are we adjusting to mediocrity rather than adjusting to excellency? Why are we always adjusting that if I fall? Why don't you start saying, what if I clamp? Why a human being always assumes the worst, not the best? I know what I'm talking about. Amen. Have you ever seen when a woman has been with other women that are divorced and they talk about men and they talk about divorces? A happily married woman comes to home behaving like a woman that is about to be divorced. That's why I know when a brother says bad company, it is out of the will of the Lord. Are you here, sisters? You, you know what I'm talking about. Amen. You are with worldly friends. They talk about me until you even forget that you are men is a message belief. They say, this is the strategy to keep a man. You don't keep a man by strategy. Keep a man by prayer. Amen. 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 Are we together? Amen. We're not going to... And I'm saying, why am I saying this? Against all odds, we're going to have godly families. Ah, Are you here? Against all odds, our young people will not go back to the world. I need somebody to help me believe in that. Against all odds, the church, this church, will not fail on the principles of the message. And when I say against odds, that means there are odds against. I got a call from a brother in in Canada. We had a lengthy chat last night. He says, Brother Mariba, I just wanted to speak to you. He says, I've seen great men, noble men, in the message, well-raised, good men. Their children are no longer in the message. And he says, I'm raising my children and I'm becoming jittery. What is going to happen to my children? I say, brother, I know your burden. And let me put it this. Rather than having your boy child coming to knock on your room while he's 28, and he comes to you, he says, Dad, I think I'm ready to get married. Then you say, Steve, uh, who do you want to marry? Says, no, my partner stays in Pretoria. What's the name of your partner? Stephen. <laughs> oh, Steve, you want to get to Stephen? To get married to Stephen? The trauma that it will cause in your heart it's unimaginable whether you like it or not I'm going to say it the pain of losing a child to the physical death is more bearable than losing a child to the spiritual death 
I'll repeat so that it sinks in. The pain of bearing your child naturally is more bearable than bearing your child spiritually. What are you going to do? And it says, I don't know. Is there any strategy? Is there any principle? Is there something that one must do? What is it that one can pull out of the head? Because I realize, you look at the schools now, it's having of demons. It's a satanic activity rather than being academic activity. What is going to happen? And I said, brother, we'll talk because I was busy. But as I was preparing, I said, Satan, you are a liar. Satan, you are a liar. We are the children of the Most High God. Our God is a creator. Our God was never defeated even one time. Therefore, against all odds, our children will never go back to the world. If they go back to the world, we're going to claim them under the token and say, you are coming back. And I say, no matter what God has got to do, we are giving God a permission to do whatever it is necessary to bring them back into the fold. If they come without legs, let it be so. I rather have a boy that is without legs, but have spiritual legs. Am I talking to somebody here this morning? Are you here? We are not going to fold our arms and be victims. We've got a token and we can apply it and say against all odds, they are coming back into the fold. Brother Branham said, Billy Paul, you have come to the crossroad and you need to choose for yourself. Look how, how Satan can be so dangerous that a boy that was so pivotal to his father's ministry that gave out prayer card that saw the angel of the Lord that never immunized him from temptation. And you think your child by being in church is immunized and he has never seen an angel. But I'm glad there was a prophet and the God of the prophet. I said, Billy, you want me to tell you where you were last night? Says, I knew my dad will tell me. He knew because I jumped off the, through the window and went to party with friends. I knew my dad would tell me. And I say, that same God that helped William Brenham to be a parent, he's still the same God now. And against all odds, folks, hear me out. I don't care at what university you send them. You can send them to UCT, to India, to China. But as long as you claim them under the token, they are coming back. I want parents that can say, against all odds. Maybe they are in the world, they are drinking, smoking. But my professor, a prayer of a parent can go and work beyond the grave of that parent. When we bury you and we say dust to dust, your prayer was still rolling on. And wherever they are, on the other side, you will meet your children. Why? There is a promise. Everything that you ever loved and everything that ever loved you will be there with you. And I say, Satan, against all odds. Are you here, church? Against all odds, our children will never go wrong. 
If they go wrong, they will repent. And God will make sure that they repent. I'm looking for people that can never give up. I'm looking for people that say, against all odds, I'm going to be a good parent. I don't care about teenage pregnancy. I don't care about drugs. Against all odds, the word of God is here and will defeat Satan anytime, anywhere, under any condition. Against all odds, my children will never go astray. Hallelujah. There is divorces that are rising. Against all odds, our marriages will work. Against all odds, our marriages will work. If we separate, we will reunite. Against all odds, because God is not a liar. His reputation is at stake. Against all odds. Against all odds. Against all odds, you will live a holy life. Against all odds, you will be a message believer. Hallelujah. We are not going to beg Satan and say, Satan, don't touch my child. I say, Satan, do whatever you do. But against all odds, this message is a token. And under this token, we have the power. Are you church? We are not going to fold our arms and look very sick and very... No! We have power. Are you here? And whatever you are doing, even in the natural realm, no matter how much can be sabotaged, you will never be sabotaged. You will make it. I say you will make it. Am I preaching to people here? You will make it. I don't care about the status of the economy. Brother, brothers, are you here? You are a provider. You never chose that you are a provider. He told you that you are a provider. And your reputation is not at stake. His reputation is at stake. God will never fail you. Even if there are five jobs remaining in the economy, yours is a reserve. I know what I'm talking about. Against all odds, you will be a provider. I don't care about statistics. I'm looking at the gold weight. That has never failed even one time. They can retrench, but you will be a provider. The interest rates can go off, you will be a provider. What? Against all odds. Are you here, sisters? Are you here, sisters? All other women are will be wealthy, but not you. Not you. Against all odds, you will be a good mother. How many mothers in the building ever felt that I'm not good enough? I can't get, especially when they come around the teenage uh, stage and say, am I really a good mother? Am I really a good wife? Am I giving all? Hear me out. You are not going to fail as a wife. You are not going to fail as a mother. You are not going to fail as a caregiver. Not at all. Against all odds. God out of your own. Maybe let me speak to you about the beauty of a flaw. Because sometimes we think our flaw is making us imperfect, but the very flaw, Brother Branham says, Michael Angelo, 
He began to build a sculpture. And he designed it and he had a vision in his mind about Moses. He says he built it so perfectly and it became so vivid that this is Moses. He says right there, he took a hammer, hit the sculptor on the knee and it caused a hole. He says, speak! He says it was so, it was so perfect that Moses thought it could speak. And he says later, it was discovered that what made the sculptor to be perfect, it was that but after he hit it, he must say, oh, what have I done? Now it looks ugly. But later, the floor had more value than the sculptor. I don't know what are your flaws, but I'm speaking about the beauty of a floor. I'm speaking about that very environment that you say, it is haywire, it is undesirable. God needs the very background. Maybe let me preach in this side. The very thing that you say is not perfect. The very thing that is bothering you. That say, I don't want anybody to hear about it. It is the very thing that God is going to use in your life. It makes me not to be ashamed of my past. It made me not to be ashamed of my present. It makes me not to be ashamed of my future. Anything that happened in my life, it was for a reason. Anything that happened in your life, it was for a reason. Is it a divorce? It was for a reason. Is it a whatever miscarriage? It was for a reason. Anything that happened in your life, it was for a reason. And I'm saying, wherever you are, say by the glory of God, I will never allow my background to hold me back. I will never allow my history to hold me back. Hallelujah. I will use it to glorify God. I hear people. Nothing to be ashamed of. And Satan say, hey, be careful. They must not find out. Say, Satan, let them find out. If they find out, let them find out. I don't care. Folks, I maybe I need to tell you, I'm not preaching here because I need to make somebody feel good. Me, even if you are not blessed, I preach. I, yes, maybe in the early stages I was coming here to preach and check who's saying amen. Not anymore. Even if the whole church can keep quiet. Because I've come to a level where my worshiping God is not dependent on external factors. I worship him whether there is a crowd. I worship him when there is no crowd. So I don't care. And I'm saying you need to get to the point where you are no longer living for the people, but you are living for the almighty God. Uh, if you thought I'm going to please you, uh, that's not my business. I've got no such aspiration. And I don't think you should have an aspiration to please me. There's only one that must be pleased. Jehovah. Jehovah is the only one that must be pleased. I know. People, they, they walk around life tiptoeing. Yeah. I wonder if they know. Amen. Amen. And sometimes as a believer, you must have the backbone to tell somebody what happened to your nose. What do they mean? It fell off, but it fell into my business. 
You are not accountable to anyone. You don't need to explain yourself to anyone. You've got to explain yourself to God. Uh, Are you with me? The burden that we have is because we we want to explain ourselves. Will they understand? Oh, I lost my job. Will they understand? Do they have to understand? Oh, my partner left me. How am I going to? Hey, brother, you don't owe it to explain to anybody. As long as you have not done anything that is against the weight. Are you with me? Brother Brenham says in the message in ties and spirits, give me a preacher. Give me a Christian. Give me a housewife that's a Christian. Give me a farmer or a factory worker that will put God first in everything. I will show you a man that will be successful despite what the devil can put against him. I say God first. Then everything shall follow. Are you with me? Brother, put God first. Is it a business? Put God first. Is it a family? Put God first. Anything that you do and you put God first, it will never fail despite what the say devil can put against you. Are you with me? And as I'm speaking, how many people right now are against certain odds? How many believers? Believers, they just raised. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, it's not a shame to fight against devil, it's an honor. Are you with me? Thieves don't break into empty houses. How many are against the odds now? And you are trying to do this and that and it doesn't work out. Against all those odds. Against all those odds. You are emerging as a victor. Against all odds. And don't look. Don't look at your resources. God has shown you from 32,000 to 300. From 32,000 to 300. And it says, now we are ready. Amen. Sometimes sometimes God bankrupts you before he makes you successful in the business. Least you have pride and say, yeah, you know, I knew my strategy was well crafted. (laughs) He allow you to knock at this door. And they say, nope. You allow to knock that, that door, they say no. But a man of vision, of purpose, of courage, does not give up. Amen. Against all odds. If he falls, he rises again and again, as a real soldier, soldier should be. And I say, against all odds, we are going into the rapture. Amen. Against all odds. We are going into the rapture. And like Moses, we are not going alone. He said, Pharaoh, we are taking our wives. We are taking our wives. You you know, Satan sometimes thinks he can make you a deal. Every time you make a deal with Satan, you must know that there is somewhere he is robbing you. If the devil says, take this, keep it, says, Satan, I am taking all. 
Because Pharaoh says, no, you Moses is very easy. I will allow you to go, guys. And I will keep your children and women and animals. Then Moses says, no, 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 we are taking everything. He says, no, no, then I can allow the wives and the children. Then I can keep the animals. He says, hey, hey, we love our horses. We love our dogs. We love our cats. We cannot be out there rejoicing while we have left. We are going on spot, Alice. We are taking everything. And I am looking for message believers that can say to this modern God, Satan, and say, we are taking everything. Our wives, our children, our animals, we are going with them to heaven. Don't accept a deal with Satan. He is robbing you against all odds. Come and say, against all odds. I'm still standing. Against all odds, I'm still blessed. Against all odds, I'm still happy. Against all odds, I'm still worshiping God. Against all odds, I'm heaven bound. Amen. God bless you, Rachel. As we stand to our feet. Against all power, against all principalities, as we worship God. Amen. How many believe that? Can the church join in?
Amen. All over the building, let's worship Him. Worshiping song, let's just say, Be still and know that I'm God. I love this because, in the midst of war, you just become still and say, This battle is not mine, it is the Lord's battle. Amen. Healing thee. 
Amen. In the cross, in the cross. Then we'll come to the end of reading, close with a word of prayer. Uh, Brother Philip, if you can come, Philip Andre, if you can come and close with a word of prayer for us. Amen. Jesus
us pray, O Lord our God and our great eternal Father. We are truly, Lord, a blessed nation, O Lord God. The kingdom of heaven, O Lord, is right here with us, O Lord God. And O Lord, against all odds, O Lord, no matter what Satan tries to put in front of us, O Lord, as your word said, neither death, nor fear, nor persecution, nor anything will separate us from the love of God. And we're so grateful, Lord, that you have done the work, O Lord. We just see in your life as well, my Lord, against all odds, O Lord, you had to get to that cross, O Lord Jesus. They tried to kill you before time, Lord, but, O Lord, what a purpose. Your purpose had to be done, O Lord God. And until then, O Lord, could they only do that, O Lord God. And be grateful for us, O Lord God. You've put the path be, be, be before us, O Lord. Nothing will happen, O Lord. We are destined for you, O Lord. We're destined for a, a life behind this, O Lord God. And, O Lord God, we're so grateful, Lord, just to know, O Lord God. And, Lord, just, you know, like Joshua, Lord, he says, me and my whole household will serve the Lord. And we know, Lord, we just claim it, O Lord God. We just pronounce these things over our lives, O God. Lord, we just keep the token in front of us, O Lord, that neither, none of us will go lost, O Lord. Our children will be there, O Lord God. It's a purpose, O Lord. As Solomon, the great man, Lord of wisdom, he said that, that above all things, O Lord God, the, the, that we will serve the Lord. Lord, that we will, the conclusion of the whole matter, Lord, that we will serve you and fear you and praise you and glorify you, Lord. That's all we have to do, Lord. We pray that thy will be done further now, Lord. Maybe not go, just go home and say another meeting, our Lord. But maybe take these things to heart, our Lord God, and realize everything that is done in our lives is for purpose, our Lord God. No matter how deep that valley is or how high that mountain is, our Lord, it's all for the purpose, our Lord, that you're going through, our Lord. We thank you for the, our, our pastor, Lord, has been, Lord, lying before you, our Lord God, waiting upon you, Lord, and the prayer of the saints that have been going forward, our Lord, for our pastor, Lord God, and we're receiving such wonderful nuggets, Lord, from you, our Lord God. May we just go home, Lord, and pray and be on our knees and just say thank you, Lord Jesus, for what you've done once more again, our Lord. And may we just long for the meeting on Wednesday night again, where we can hear such wonderful meetings again, to lift us up, O Lord God, and to go on to greater heights, O Lord, that we may know, O Lord, we're on the King's Highway, never to be turned around, Lord God, and just to listen, O Lord, to what, the, what comes over this pulpit, O Lord, not to go this way or that way, to listen to what the prophet even said, get known, get out of step, get back into line, O Lord, that's what we need to do, O Lord God. Help us further now, Lord, and we just praise your wonderful name. In Jesus' name, amen. amen. Okay. Somebody lost the phone. The, the model is known by us. The color is known by us. If you have lost the phone, you just come and tell us what type, what color. And you open it before us. <laughs> if it doesn't open, you don't get it. Amen. It will be in my office. Amen. God bless. It's a very beautiful phone. Amen. God bless you. There's a song that says in Zulu, 
Avumile Amazulu. Loosely translated, heavens are great that I shall prosper. Can we say against all odds? Through Christ, I can do it. Don't worry about the odds. God bless you.
God say to your neighbor, heavens have agreed that I will prosper against all odds. Ah, we thank God. <laughs> we thank God. Hey, the, the, there is nothing as lethal as a believer who is aligned with the heavens. Such a believer is unstoppable, unshakable, invincible, determined. Ah, we thank God. I don't know, sisters, if you can say, this is the last one till we see you on Wednesday. Uh, don't forget, our special meetings are going to be in December on the 6th, 15th and the 16th. 15th, it will be evening service. 16th, it will be morning service. And as well as evening service. In total, it will be three services. Pastor Godwin Chizendi from Zimbabwe will be with us over that weekend. We certainly are looking forward. It is certainly going to be a blessing. Amen. So I really appreciate his sacrifice for him to come this way. It is going to be a groundbreaker. Amen. Now, let's say this is the last one, then we go home. We say, I am more than a conqueror. In Christ Jesus. Amen. You see, when you say certain things, they become prophetic. If somebody says, I am more than a conqueror, but the demeanor shows a defeated person, it defeats the purpose for the song. Amen. Amen. Uh, connect with the spirit of the author, of, of the composer. Amen. Uh, do you believe that whenever Israel won battles, they sang? When the ark returned back into the camp, there was a ululation, there was jubilation in the camp. Amen. Brother Brahm said, if you really hate noise, heaven is going to be traumatic for you. Because remember, some of us, we have not yet added our decibels to the noise here. But when we get there, goodness. Oh, amen. But heaven, it will be great because it will be a bride made of different nationalities. You'll have a time to hang around with the Congolese part of the bride and enjoy their music and jump from there and be with the English bride, part of the bride. It will be wonderful. Amen. No interpreter will be needed there. One language which is the heavenly language. I'm looking forward to that time. Amen. But when I get there, I will spend a lot of time on the African side. Amen. Give us a song there till we see you.